Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone, and welcome to the first annual weekend sports wrap for the week of November 1st. I am your host, James Timberlake. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in to the first episode on the first of the month. Um, it's our first episode, and we already have some breaking news. What a start to the podcasting career for me. Adam Schefter is reporting that the Denver Broncos are trading eight-time Pro Bowler Von Miller to the Los Angeles Rams for a second and third round pick in the upcoming 2022 draft. An unfortunate end for Denver fans who have to say goodbye to probably the best defensive player in Broncos franchise history. We're going to get into some more Broncos talk, some Cowboys talk, take a look at action around the NFL from Halloween, and much more. But first, let's get a recap of what happened locally around Sheridan this weekend. In football, the Sheridan Broncos opened up their 2021 playoff play with a bang, dominating Cheyenne Central 48-14. to the Bronx will then host uh, Natrona on Friday. We'll have that one for you on 1410 AM and 106.9 FM KWYO or on SheridanMedia.com with pregame scheduled for 530 and kickoff is scheduled for 6. The Bighorn Rams had an early game to open their playoff play last Friday, taking on the one-seeded Lyman Eagles. Lyman were the defending 2A state champions and are undefeated and the favorites to win the 2A state title again this season, and they showed why against the Rams, beating Bighorn 42-20 to ending the Rams season in volleyball. The Sheridan Lady Volleyball, the Sheridan Lady Bronc Volleyball team, uh, their season ended on Saturday with a loss to Cheyenne Central three sets to two. That was their second loss of the tournament. They fell to Cheyenne East the first day, three sets to none. The two A teams had some success, however. The uh, Tongue River Lady Eagles pulled off a huge upset on Friday, beating one-seeded Glenrock three sets to two. Then the Lady Eagles fell to Sundance three sets to two on Friday night, meaning that they would take on Wright on Saturday, and the Lady Eagles dominated that one beating Wright three sets to none, qualifying the Lady Eagles for state. TR would lose in the uh, third-place game to Moorcroft, but that didn't matter because they had punched their ticket to the state tournament already, and Tongue River will take on the West one-seed Riverside Thursday at 7.30 p.m. to open the state tournament. The Bighorn Lady Rams also had a great regional tournament. They came in as the one-seed in the North Division and opened up with a convincing win against Wright, three sets to none, and then the Lady Rams had to take on Moorcroft on Friday, and they won that one handily as well, beating Moorcroft three sets to one advancing to the regional championship game. The Lady Rams took on Sundance, and after dropping the first set, Bighorn won three of the next four, beating Sundance three sets to two, giving the Lady Rams the top seed in the East Division in the state tournament. Their first game comes on Thursday at 4 p.m. against Shoshone. Finally, in hockey, the Sheridan Junior Hawks were on the road taking on the Yellowstone Quake on Friday and Saturday for the fourth time in two weeks. The Hawks eked one out in uh, overtime in the Friday game 2-1, Caden McDonald scored the first goal in the, in the first period with an assist from Mason Fredericks and Nick Teagues. Tiggs, excuse me if I'm not saying that right, would score the game winner with 4.36 to go in overtime with an assist from Makai Sparks. The Hawks would drop the second game on Saturday, though, 7-4. Mason Fredericks opened the scoring for the Hawks with a goal in the first period. Aaron Hicks would find the back of the net in the second period, and then Caden McDonald scored two in the fourth period, or excuse me, fourth period, the third period, in the loss. Up next for the Hawks, they will be on the road again this weekend, taking on the Great Falls Americans on Friday and Saturday up in Great Falls, Montana. The puck is scheduled to drop at 7.30 in both of those games. Now moving on to the Pokes, the Cowboys dropped their fourth game in a row on Saturday, falling to San Jose State 27-21. Big news from, from the Pokes, Levi Williams was the man behind center taking over the starting role from Sean Chambers at the quarterback spot. However, Williams did not really provide a lot of hope for the future, going just 12 for 22 for 129 yards. He did score two touchdowns, but he was picked off twice as well, and a QBR of 9.7. Not not a great QBR. Uh, the Pokes are in a pickle right now at the QB spot. I have no idea 
who you should start to give your cha- your team a better chance to win. It's really a toss-up at this point. Sean Chambers has not shown that he could get it done the last few weeks. He's turned the ball over a ton, um, but Levi Williams hasn't really provided that spark either. So it's a toss-up. Just start Xavier Valaday. I don't know. Um, speaking of Valaday, he had his best rushing game of the season in the backfield, um, getting 22 carries for 172 yards as well as three receptions for 24 yards. He didn't find the end zone, but that was that's his best game of the season by far. Um, he is less than 100 yards away from being just the second Cowboy to rush for 3,000 yards with the program. Wyoming outgained the Spartans 400 to 388 in yards. However, San Jose State's Nick Nash had a good game at QB, going 11 for 22 for 150 yards, a touchdown through the air, while also rushing for 112 yards on 11 carries with a touchdown on the ground as well. Dual threat quarterbacks have been kind of a problem for the post defense the last two games with Nash and Isaiah Chavez from New Mexico leading their teams in rushing. There were definitely positives from this game for the Pokes, though. They led in time of possession again, something they absolutely need to do in order to win games this season. They had zero penalties, and they also held the Spartans to 3 of 11 on third down. And for the most part, if you're holding a team to 150 yards passing total, that's a good sign, unless you're playing like any of the armed forces teams who will have like 100 yards passing and like 600 yards rushing. So, you know, any of those other teams, you're, you're doing pretty good. Uh, Chad Muma led the team in tackles again this week with 10, including two TFLs. He also crossed the 200 total tackles mark for his UW career. There is hope, Poke fans. There is hope. I have no idea what you're going to do at the quarterback position. Um, I would assume they roll with Levi Williams again this week because that was by far the best offense has looked, the best the offense has looked in the look in the past four weeks. And it looks like the run game is getting back to what we saw at the beginning of the season. Now, before I get into the next week for for the Cowboys, um, I have a question for Poke fans. What are your year-in, year-out expectations for this team? I'm not a Cowboys fan. I pay attention to this team because I kind of have to for my job. So I'm curious as to what you want every year as a Poke fan. Is it a conference championship? Is it qualifying for a bowl game every year? I ask this because the Pokes haven't won a conference championship in 27 years. They haven't been ranked in the AP poll since 1998. Craig Bull is by far the highest paid coach in the Mountain West, and I mean by far, but he has a 42-48 and 48 record since coming to the school in 2014. Um, let me know what your expectations are in the comments on SheridanMedia.com. I'm just curious. I don't know what to expect out of this poke team as, a, somebody, as an outsider looking in. So I'd be curious to see what fans think your expectations are. It's not national championship, obviously. That's just pretty much unattainable there there have been zero power five teams or excuse me group of five teams that have made the playoffs since its birth and I don't think the Cowboys are getting there anytime soon so is it conference championship bowl games I think an attainable goal for the Cowboys honestly would be if they really start putting things together I think it could possibly be a uh, New Year's Six Bowl, like every five years, five to seven years, something like that. And then, you know, conference championships, like Boise State. I think that's an attainable goal, finding finding a way to become the new Boise State in the Mountain West, because Boise State hasn't been great this year. Um, they're still going to be favored over UW, obviously, because they're, they're a better team. But I think they could become, the Pokes could become the Boise State of the Mountain West again if they wanted to do that. I think if they put more, if they put enough money into it, if they start developing the lower-starred recruits that they get, because you're not going to get any of the four- or the five-star recruits. It's just not going to happen. That's just how football recruiting is. Um, if they start, and that's your lifeblood as a group of five team, is being able to turn those those two-star players, those one-star and two-star players, into five-star players by the time they're a senior. You know, so that's that's your lifeblood. Um, 
So I'm curious to see what you what you have to say, what your expectations are year in and year out. Let me know uh, in the comments on this uh, podcast post on sharedmedia.com, and I'll take a look at them. And then uh, if I see a good one, I might shout you out on the next podcast. So let me see them. Let me see your comments. Let me know, Poke fans. Uh, next up for the Pokes is the border war against Colorado State. Now, something Poke fans will have to get used to. The Pokes are probably not going to be favorites for the rest of the season. They're already three-and-a-half-point underdogs to CSU as of Monday afternoon. They still have to go on the road to Boise State and Utah State. They'll definitely be underdogs for those games. And then they'll close out the season against Hawaii. They could be favorites in that game against Hawaii, depending on how the next few weeks play out. But the Cowboys have to win two out of the next four games to become bowl eligible. Um, let's throw out the Boise State and Utah State games, as we'll assume those will probably be losses given the last few last few weeks. That means this Colorado State game is probably their most important game of the season, along with that Hawaii game at the end of the year. Um, but Colorado State is a bad matchup for the Pokes. Uh, the Rams sport a top-five rush defense in the country and have held opposing teams to 2.7 yards per rush in the past three games. They are equally as good as the Pokes in pass defense in the past three games, allowing about six yards per pass. Um, the Ram passing game on the offensive side, though, has been very efficient the past three games as well, averaging 9.2 yards per pass with only 42% of their plays being passes. The Rams also have a better turnover margin in the past three games because obviously uh, the Pokes are basically last in that in that book, in, uh, in, that, in that area on turnover margin. CSU has a plus 0.7 turnover margin, which really isn't even that good, but compared to Wyoming, they come in with a negative three turnover margin right now, so... And that's just in the past three games. Not a great look. Uh, rivalry games are always weird, though. I can give you all the stats in the world, and this game will probably end up in with a triple-tipped interception taken back for a touchdown because that's just how rivalry games are sometimes. The Pokes coming to this one having won four of the last five matchups between these two but dropped last year's, so there might be in some, there might be some revenge in the mind for the Cowboys. They'll look to bring the bronze boot back to Laramie when they take on Colorado State on Saturday. And you'll be able to listen to all the action live on 1410 AM and 106.9 FM KWIO with pregame scheduled for noon and kickoff scheduled for 1.30. Turning to the pros, the Denver Broncos snapped their four-game losing streak on Sunday in an ugly game against the Washington football team, 17-10, improving to 4-4 four four on the season. It was the quintessential, the quintessential Teddy Bridgewater stat line on Sunday. He went 19 for 26 for 213 yards for a touchdown and no picks. He was just efficient enough on the intermediate level of the field uh, for the Broncos offense, going 5 for 7 for 101 yards on throws between 10 and 19 yards down the field on Sunday. Wouldn't it be great if you could get McDonald's delivered right to your door? Well, now you can. McDonald's has teamed up with the delivery app DoorDash. Just download the DoorDash app in the App Store and you'll see the McDonald's menu. Order your favorite McDonald's food and have it delivered right to your door. It's super easy and convenient to have your favorite McDonald's delivered. Go to the App Store, download the DoorDash app, and have McDonald's delivered to your house or business today. Melvin Gordon was having one of his best games of the season on Sunday until he nearly blew the game in the fourth quarter when he fumbled the ball and gave Washington a chance to tie the game with 21 seconds left to play. Before that, he had gained 49 yards on nine carries with four broken tackles. The final minute of that game for the Broncos was was head-scratching, to say the least. The, the first, I couldn't remember if it was Gordon or Javante. I think it was Gordon. He fumbled the ball but recovered it on the uh, the first play of that drive. And then, then they decided to throw the ball, I'm assuming, because they didn't feel comfortable handing the ball off to Gordon. But then it was an incomplete pass, which stopped the clock. And then they handed the ball off to Gordon again. 
who then proceeded to fumble it, giving Washington another chance to win the game. It was very. I, I thought they were really going to blow that in the last in the last minute. I thought it was. I was that that would have been peak Broncos, especially this season. That would have been bad news. Uh, Jerry Judy was back on the field for the receivers on Sunday for the first time since week one. He hauled in four catches for 39 yards, which was nice to see. Tim Patrick led the Broncos in receiving, though, with uh, three three receptions for 64 yards. On the offensive line, Lloyd Cushenberry and Dalton Risner both had tough days in the passing game. Cushenberry allowed one sack and one hurry and two pressures on 30 passing attempts, while Dalton Risner allowed one QB hit, three hurries, and four pressures on 30 opportunities as well. On the D-line, without Von Miller, now... For now, for good, um, but he was injured on Sunday. Without Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, the pass rush didn't get home as consistently as we as we'd expect. However, the Broncos were still able, still able to chase down a scrambling Taylor Heineke several times outside of the pocket, and Malik Reed and Draymond Jones both finished with two sacks on the day. Unsurprisingly, the Broncos linebacking core did not get fixed overnight after trading for Kenny Young. They combined to allow nine receptions for 116 yards and six first downs. Not a great showing. For the linebacking core, and they are they are hemorrhaging. I mean, their their injury report is basically all linebackers right now. Uh, Justin Simmons, though, he had a fantastic game in the secondary, coming up with a crucial fourth down, fourth and one stop early in the game. Then came up with a huge tackle of Terry McLaurin in what should have been the last drive of the game. And then Simmons got his second interception of the day, picking off Taylor Heineke with 37 seconds to go in the fourth quarter, and what should have won the game for the Broncos. That was before their final weird drive, and then they fumbled it. Um, Justin Simmons didn't do anything that last drive, but that one that he picked off with 37 seconds to go should have sealed it for the Broncos, and it didn't, unfortunately. Uh, the the Broncos will rightfully celebrate this, their first victory in over a month, but they have a tough matchup next week, taking on the Dallas Cowboys on the road. This one will rest solely on the status of Dak Prescott. He was out on Sunday night against the Vikings with an ankle injury, but when he plays, the Cowboys are probably a top five team in the NFC right now. I know we can't all we all can't believe it, but uh, they're they're very good. They have arguably the best offense in the NFL, coming in with the most yards per game at four hundred at about four hundred and fifty five per game, the third best scoring offense at thirty two points per game, the second most yards per play at six and a half, and the uh, second most touchdowns per game at nearly four per game. Their offense is also very balanced with the second most rush yards per game and the third most pass yards. Per game, their defense hasn't been as stout. They have uh, they have had a, a good rush defense with the sixth least rush yards allowed per game at 88.3, and get a bunch of turnovers per game, sitting at third in the league with two takeaways per game. However, their rush, their pass defense uh, is in the bottom half of the league, allowing 278 yards per game and two and 7.3 yards uh, to 7.3 yards per pass. They also don't have a great pass rush with a sack percentage of just 4.33 percent, 28th in the league. It all depends on if Dak plays. But the Broncos will have to hold on to the ball on offense. They cannot be fumbling it around again. If they're going to give it back to the Cowboys, that is a recipe for disaster. And they'll need to get to the quarterback a lot if they want to have a chance in this one, which is not going to be as easy. Hopefully Chubb plays, but with Von Miller now gone, um, that is a much much more difficult task. Um, you'll be able to listen to all the action, though, on Sunday on 1410 AM and 106.9 FM KWIO. With pregame scheduled for 9 a.m., the kickoff is scheduled for 11 a.m. Also around the NFL yesterday in the Sunday night game, these very same Cowboys pulled out a gutsy 20-16 victory over the Minnesota Vikings. Backup quarterback Cooper Rush had a great game for Dallas, throwing for 325 yards and two touchdowns in Dak's absence. As a Vikings fan, yes, as a Vikings fan, this one made me want to throw up in my mouth a little bit and rest. And the rest of my night was ruined. Uh, watching a starting quarterback, Kirk Cousins, 
throw to wideouts whose average depth of target was four and a half yards was just mind-numbing. Not That's not ideal on a Sunday night. That is not what I want to do on a Sunday night. Uh, the New Orleans Saints pulled off the upset over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 36-27. to New Orleans was able to pick off Tom Brady twice, one being a pick-six that sealed it for the Saints. New Orleans starting quarterback Jameis Winston, Winston left the game with an injury, which cleared the way for former Denver legend, former Denver legend Trevor Simeon, to come in and get the win. He outdueled Tom Brady. Who would have thought? The man of the hour, Trevor Simeon. The Seattle Seahawks dominated the Jacksonville Jaguars 31-7. You know, I picked Jacksonville to win Jacksonville to win this game because I thought there was no way an Urban Meyer coach team coming off a bye would let the would let Geno Smith look like Russell Wilson. I was wrong. Obviously, I was wrong. Urban Meyer. I don't think he's ever done that. I, it feels like after Urban after a bye, Urban Meyer, no matter what level it's on, is automatic on a bye. But oh, Jacksonville's bad, man. They're terrible. The New England Patriots pulled off an upset on the road against the Chargers, beating LA 27-24. Pay attention to Mac Jones. The dude is quietly having a good rookie season. It's not, you know, Jamar Chase levels who's bordering on the MVP conversation. Um, he's not slinging it around like Justin Herbert, like he like Justin Herbert was a year ago, but he's looked pretty good up to this point. So pay attention to Mac Jones. They may have another another solid QB on their hands. The Pittsburgh Steelers went on the road and knocked off the Cleveland Cavalier Cavaliers, knocked off the Cleveland Browns. 15-10. This one was not a pretty watch either. Jarvis Landry had a severe case of the drops for the Browns, a couple that pretty much cost them the game, and Ben Roethlisberger does not throw the ball around like he used to. Not to mention kicker Chris Boswell. Shout out to Chris Boswell. He nearly died running a fake field goal than trying to throw the ball out of bounds. It was a mess and uh, confirmed my suspicions that would I would actually die trying to play professional football. Almost any common human being would probably die playing professional football. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles went on the road and trampled the Detroit Lions 44-6. I also picked the Lions to win this game, thinking the team had been so gritty the first seven weeks of the season. They almost pulled it out against the Rams. They were there for about a half. They almost beat the Vikings. I mean, they've been close in almost every game they've played. Um, and I thought they were finally going to get one at home against a struggling Philly team, but it was a peak Lions loss. Right when you start having a little bit of hope, you know, Dan Campbell, Man Campbell as everybody likes to call him, Man Campbell was really going to pull one out. Um, he was giving you hope. He was giving you good signs. But right when they're giving you a little hope, they just throw it all back up. And they lying. You know, that's what they do. They're the lions. That's what they do. The Buffalo Bills beat the Dolphins at home 26-11. to The Bills looked a little sluggish to start this game, uh, but got their offense back together by the third quarter. It didn't even really matter. The Dolphins are no threat to the Buffalo Bills right now. It was a better's nightmare. With 329 left, it was 20-11. to and a scoregami was in play. 20 to 11 would have been a scoregami, but uh, Tua Tungavailoa was picked off, and then Josh Allen ran the ball in for a touchdown to cover the spread. It was like having to pick between two children. I'm always going to want a scoregami, and I did bet. I did bet on the Bills spread, and I also bet on on Josh Allen having over two and a half passing touchdowns. So when he ran that in, I oh, that made my made my toes cringe. Uh, the Jets were at home and pulled off an impressive win over the Cincinnati Bengals this week, 34 to 31. The Jets might have a good young quarterback on their roster, and it might not even be Zach Wilson. Mike White was the story of the weekend, torching the Bengals for 405 yards and three touchdowns. It was three touchdowns. It was the Jets' first 400-yard passer since 2000. 21 years ago, Vinny Testaverde threw for over 400 yards against the 2000 Baltimore Ravens, and that was the last time the Jets had a 400-yard passer in a game. Absolutely absurd. That is. That is the Jets franchise in a in a nutshell right there. 
Uh, the San Francisco 49ers went on the road and beat the Chicago Bears 33-22. to Who'd have thought Matt Nagy is gone for a week and Justin Fields looks like a solid dual-threat quarterback again? I wonder why that is. Chicago's defense was terrible, and this one not forcing a single punt all game. Jimmy G for the 49ers also had a great day passing for 322 yards and rushed for two touchdowns. Delicious McDonald's deals are now more fun, more accessible, and better than ever through the McDonald's mobile app. Get free large fries when you download the app and join my McDonald's rewards. Get your choice of hash browns, vanilla cone, McChicken, or cheeseburger free after your first purchase. The new mobile ordering feature lets you use your smartphone to place your order, pay for it, pick it up. Go to Google Play or Apple App Store and download the new McDonald's mobile app and start saving today. McDonald's, there's an app for that. Finally, the Car- well, not finally, second to last, the Carolina Panthers went on the road and beat the Atlanta Falcons. This game was not a fun watch either. It was like going out with your friends to eat, even though you've already eaten. Like, you're just kind of happy to be there, but man, the rest of this food looks really good, even though you shouldn't have any because you just ate. That's what it was like. That's a weird analogy, but that's kind of what it was like. It was a sloppy game with multiple drops and fumbles. Matt Ryan only threw for 146 yards on 27 passes. Um, ugh. Yeah, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Um, then the final game... The Chargers, or excuse me, the Rams went on the road and they beat the Texans. I think it was 38 to 22. I don't have this one on my sheet right now, but yes, 38 to 22 or something like that. The the main thing I want to talk about this one. The Texans are terrible. Like, they're not a good team, but there is the, the classic saying, good teams lose, great teams cover. And the Texans, they backdoor covered, and it was an impressive cover at that. I think they were 16 and a half point underdogs if I remember or something like that. And uh it was I thought they were down 38 to nothing at the end of uh, at the end of halftime and that should have been the game for most people but for people that are betters they know 16 and a half that's a lot of points and when you're up 38 to nothing that's uh, that's a bad sign if you're covering if you're if you're choosing the if you're choosing the Texans at all that's what are you doing for one even even with that spread that's a that's a crazy spread um yeah it was 38 to 22 the the Rams were up 38 to nothing and then the 38 to nothing at the end of the third quarter, and the Texans, they did as they do. Backdoor cover, backdoor cover of legend of dreams. So shout out to all the, the Texans betters out there. I don't know what you're doing betting the Texans, but you got you got a gift Sunday afternoon. That was uh, 38 to 22. The Rams won that one. And that was the last game of the NFL slate. The uh, the, the Giants are taking on the Chiefs Monday night. We'll see where that goes. Um the, the Chiefs should win that one handily, hopefully, knock on wood. I think if the Chiefs lose this one, we may have a sports media fire, a fire sale on the Chiefs. I don't know. That'll be that'll be terrible, but uh, we'll see what happens there. We will have the World Series champions by the end of this week. By in, by the end of this week, uh, the Braves lead the Astros three games to two. However, the Braves have to go on the road in Houston the next two games to try to clinch, which is not an easy task to do, especially in baseball. I hate, hate the new format of the best of seven playoff games in baseball. Instead of it being 2 2 1 1 1, it's now 2 3 2. I'm a Red Sox fan and I discovered this for the first time in the ALCS. It kind of feels like, as the higher seed, you almost have to win both of those first two home games um, or you're already lose significant home field advantage. I don't know. Maybe I'm alone on that. Let me know in the comments. The Braves feel almost like one of the Giants teams from 10 years ago when where they came into the wild card team and surprised everybody, you know, and won what three championships in 6 years doing that. That was that was, you know, that was the Giants forte. They'll just kind of sleepwalk through the sleepwalk through the the regular season and then go and 
win the whole damn thing in the playoffs. Um, Braves are similar. The Braves won 88 games, which is the same amount that the Giants won in 2014. Uh, they won 88 games this season and won a bad division and had no business beating out one of the best rotations in recent memory in the Milwaukee Brewers and then one of the best teams overall in recent memory in the Los Angeles Dodgers, and yet they're one win away from the World Series title. How could you not love playoff baseball? Speaking of playoff baseball, it was on this week in sports history. It was November 2nd, just five years ago, when the Chicago Cubs beat the Cleveland Indians 8-7 to in Game 7 of the 2016 World Series to win their first title in 108 years, breaking the curse of the Billy Goat and the curse and God knows how many other curses they had on them. Game 7 of the 2016 World Series is widely regarded as the greatest game in baseball history. It featured one of the most unbelievable clutch home runs in series history when Rajay Davis, a guy that only had 12 home runs on the season up to that point, hit one down the line off the left field camera off of a roll to Chapman bringing Cleveland back from 5-1 to one down to tie the game at 6 in the bottom of the 8th. That score stayed the same that w- that score that score stayed that way until extra innings where there was then a half hour rain delay before the Cubs were able to put two on the board to make it an 8 to 6 ball game. In the bottom of the 10th, Rajay Davis came up clutch again, sling, uh, singling in Brandon Geyer to make it 8-7. Then with Davis on first with two outs, Michael Martinez hit a dribble to Chris Bryant, who threw it to first baseman Anthony Rizzo, the two staples of that franchise at the time, getting the out and capturing the first World Series for the Cubs since 1908. I don't think anybody, I think I read somewhere that nobody was alive at the time of this World Series happening. I remember watching these games very clearly, and... It was kind of, I mean, this game for this game alone, obviously, it was one of the greatest games I'd ever seen. The rain delay, it was theatrical. You know, baseball is just kind of like that. It's very, especially playoff baseball, it's very theatrical. You can make movies about it. That's why there's more good baseball movies than any other sports movie. Don't don't question me on that, except maybe boxing. I guess boxing's got some good sports movies. Um, anyways, first World Series since 1908. That was uh, November 2nd, 2016. That was on this week in sports history. That's going to wrap up this week's show. Thank you all for tuning in. Let me know if you liked it in the comments on sharedmedia.com. I have been your host, James Timberlake, and you have been listening to the Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast. I will be back next week, next Monday, same time, everybody. So make sure you stay tuned to sharedmedia.com, and we will recap the week once again here on the Weekend Sports Wrap. Thank you for tuning in.